Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Acts 17, verse 16. If you're all there, say, woohoo. All right, awesome. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day with those who happened to be there. Those who happened to be there. Verse 18. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate him, with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news. The what? The good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19. And they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Aragopagus where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. All right, go down now to verse 32. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some sneered, but others said, we want to hear more. We want to hear you, on the, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Aragopagus, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've done already this morning. We pray that you would move in great power the preaching of your word. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And uh, we hope that you have notes. I see them. Uh, if, you, if you don't have those, you go ahead and get the attention of one of our ushers. We'll bring that to you. I've uh, been preaching, as I said, a series entitled Getting Ready for the Harvest. And to review just briefly our series, we talked about Stephen and Philip in a message called You Can Make a Difference. And uh, all of these messages are available on our YouTube channel that just crossed over 11,000 subscribers, which we're happy about. And, uh, and by the way, if you've not given us a review on Google, uh, not that we ascribe to everything Google does, but people don't use Yellow Pages anymore. So if you just go ahead and give us a five-star review, that'll help us reach more people. We have more reviews than any in any church in the state of Alaska that I can find. And I'm very grateful for that. You all did that. And what that does is it pushes us up and helps us reach more people. If you haven't done that, would you do it? Give us five stars. Even if you only think we're three, be prophesying that we'll improve. Amen. Amen. All right. And if you don't have something nice to say, you know what your mother said. Don't say anything at all. Thanks, God. And if you're already offended, just keep coming two or three more times to make sure. Amen. Everybody say, I can make a difference. Stephen and Philip made a difference. Stephen gave, gave the gift that you only use once. It's the gift of martyrdom, but the impact of that touched to even the Apostle Paul, who we read about today. And then Philip was used to bring a great revival in Samaria and was used to lead an Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord. And even today, there's churches in Ethiopia as a result of that one witnessing that Philip did to an Ethiopian, and then he was translated. Wow, wouldn't that be great if we could just be translated instead of take airplanes or drive? And then we talked about the name of Jesus from Acts chapter three and four, about the power of the name of Jesus and the miracle that took place in Acts chapter three and Acts chapter four. And we encourage you to pray and lay hands on people and agree to take the name of Jesus with you everywhere that you go. There's an old hymn called Take the Name of Jesus With You. And we encourage you to do that in the second message. The third message was called commissioned. God is, how God is looking for leaders. He's looking for people. He's commissioning people. Really, the whole church should be commissioned to fulfill the great commission, which is oftentimes a great omission. And then now reaching the lost. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says this, for we are Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. Is that not fascinating? You think that God would use angels instead of us, but no, no, he, he does use angels, but he chose you. 
He chose me to be an ambassador. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador maybe to a foreign country, ambassador to the United States of America. An embassy. You know what an embassy is? An embassy is a picture of what the churches should be. An embassy in a third world country, they have Heinz 57 ketchup. Can I just tell you that right now? They probably have Pop-Tarts if they want them. Now, Pop-Tarts will make you go to heaven early, I think. But literally a C-135, I think it is, flies in and drops off all the materials that embassy needs at whatever, whatever city or whatever nation that it's in. And so if you're a military, you know, there's a checklist of things you can, you can get from the commissary and they'll fly it in. And so even though you might be in a third world country, you'll still have your Pop-Tart. Can I say it that way? In other words, they have ever, all the conveniences of the United States of America you know, maybe not all of them, but many are there. That's the picture of the church. The church is an outpost, an embassy of heaven. An embassy of heaven. We're all called to be ambassadors. Christ making his appeal. Wow. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Evangelism is the commitment or, or duty to share the good news of Jesus. The good news of Christ. The good news of what Jesus has done. And evangelism, Roman numeral two, releases the power of God. I can tell you many, many stories about how God's power is released by sharing the good news of Jesus. What do you mean good news of Jesus? Well, I'll just share it with you in 15 seconds. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. All of us have sinned. All of us has fallen short. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Everyone is separated from God. Everyone. Jesus came and took the punishment, took the judgment. He was a propitiation, says the book of Romans. Propitiation means an averting of wrath. There's wrath headed for every single person, but Jesus took it upon himself and that wrath will be averted from your life if you believe, if you receive, if you repent and be born again. Now you might not know that intellectually, but maybe you've never made a decision in your heart to be born again. And if you haven't, we're going to give you an opportunity here to receive Jesus. The sharing of Christ, the reaching of the lost is called evangelism. Euangelium is a Greek word. Literally, sharing the good news of Jesus breaks the power of darkness. Colossians 1 and 13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. So when somebody receives Jesus, here they are, if you will, they're in the kingdom of darkness. When they receive Jesus, bam, come on, somebody say bam. bam. They're in the kingdom of, kingdom of God. In, in one moment, the moment, it can, it can take less than a millisecond you know, we have a formula that we lead people and we call it the sinner's prayer. It's just a formula. I mean, you can get saved in a millisecond realizing, I'm, I need to forgive Jesus. That's it. There's a decision that happens. And in that moment, you're translating that. You say, well, I'm still here. Yes, you need your mind renewed. And you're still seated here in, in the earth, but you're also seated with Christ in the heavenlies. There's a duality to who you are. All right. You can be headed to hell in one moment and the next moment headed to heaven. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Is there anybody that's been made new? He's a new creation. Literally, when someone believes in Jesus, they're forgiven and brought into a new creation. He, he takes out the heart of stone and he puts in a heart of flesh. The process of becoming more like him Listen, there's a lot of people not in church today. They don't, in fact, they don't go to church anymore, but they prayed a prayer like I just shared with you and were translated out of darkness into the kingdom of light. But they're, they're no longer serving God. Somebody say, well, once you're saved, are you always saved? Not according to my Bible, no. But there are some that would argue that and it is a point that could be argued. I guess we'll find out for sure in heaven. But let me just say, the others say, an understanding at the end, there'll be a great falling away. It's called the apostasy. Now, how can you fall away from something unless you were there? 
So there's a falling away from faith, a turning, the apostate church. And I've known many that have fallen away. You know, some people put their faith in, in psychiatry. Listen, you could be on a psychiatric couch for years and pay, you could pay hundreds of thousands, people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know that. You are aware of that. And end up no different and still headed to hell. I'm all for great counseling, biblical counseling. And you know, one of the challenges with counselors and psychiatric help is that you're only going to get the level of healing that they have to give you. And if it's not biblical, then you could actually end up more bound than you were when you, before you went in. Let's look at this text now. Where Paul had been. He's on his second missionary journey with Silas. Pick up Timothy. He's in Troas and he gets a revelation. This is just to give you some background and context of what's happening here. He gets a revelation from the Macedonian man. And the Macedonian man appears to him in a vision and pleads with him to come. And from that, they determine that they should go to Philippi. And they, and they go down there and Philippi becomes a key church in releasing resources and provision so that he eventually ends up in Ephesus and has the greatest New Testament revival. Now, before that, um, well, this woman in Philippi is this woman with a, a python spirit. He heads up there to this woman with a python spirit. He rebukes, rebukes the spirit. She gets free. And her masters were irritated because their, their dis- business of deception and reading the future from this slave girl who had a python spirit is now over. And they're so angry at the loss of money that they start basically a, a riot. And they, and they put him in jail and Paul and Silas in the midnight hour begin to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs one to another, if I could say it that way. God joined in with a four-part harmony and the gates threw open and there was an earthquake and they were all loose. And that's when the jailer got free. And I've taken that scripture, you and your household shall be saved. Come on, somebody say, me and my whole household shall be, shall be saved. He says it to the jailer. In Thessalonica, he goes and a riot ensues and he's smuggled out. Then he's in Berea and another riot breaks out because of what I call the Thessalonian thugs. They show up and stir everybody up. And, and so they send Paul off to Athens for a vacation. You know, sometimes when you take a vacation, you need a vacation from your vacation. But you know, the thing about taking a vacation is many people look for that to bring a refreshing to them when in actual fact, what you need to do is just draw near to God and, and, and press into him and be refreshed by the spirit of God. Sometimes I take vacation. I would just wish I was back here. Come on on the wall with you all preaching, praying, prophesying. I get refreshed by just serving God right here, really. And there is a time to come away and seek him. So they send him to Athens because, my gosh, he's, he's been through quite a bit. He's beaten, thrown in jail. My gosh. So in verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he's greatly distressed. You see, there's something on the inside of him called the truth. And you can't ever take a vacation from that. I remember talking to Dr. Morocco. I was on vacation and it was many years ago. And you know, don't have, more, don't have early morning prayer to go to on vacation. So I thought I would sleep in and get some rest. You remember this, we were in Colorado. And uh, about four days of that, I started feeling like depressed. I started feeling like a cloud is over me, you know, questioning my own salvation. I'm exaggerating, but I mean, just a real heaviness. I'm just thinking, man, what is going on? What am I doing with my life? I mean, I was just under attack. I had missed all that morning prayer because I was getting rest. How many of you know, I wasn't even sleeping good. And then I just suddenly realized, yeah, I'm like backsliding. I'm not, no, no, I'm not backsliding. We're not doing this. And I, I think I looked out the window and I saw somebody, if I remember accurately, Pastor Karen always remembers better than I do. Thank God. I, see, I saw somebody in a school park across the street who we was staying at her mother's house in Colorado, Longmont, Colorado. And I thought, 
They're getting saved. And I left, I walked out, I prayed in tongues, walked across the street and said, and I went and I walked up to them and I shared the love of God with them. They had been born again before and talked about their mother's church. I prayed over them, prophesied over them, told them to get get back in church. Come on, go to church. God's got a plan. The Holy Spirit touched them powerfully. And I walked away like, you know, that's right. Yes, God, I was back on fire. Listen, you can't take a vacation from the truth. And sometimes, sometimes I think we try to do that. I'm, I'm done trying to do that. I get up for morning prayer, even if I'm not having morning prayer here with you. It might not always be at six in the morning, but I'm going to have it at whatever time it is. Can you say amen? So he's distressed, right in your notes. He's distressed because the city's full of, full of idols. Why is he distressed? Well, he's distressed because not everybody goes to heaven. Oh, did I just step in something? (laughs) He's distressed because not all roads lead to heaven. Now, that might be a new thought for you. I would highly advise you put your seats in the upright long position and fasten your seatbelt because I'm going to get it here in just a minute. So he's distressed. Paul knew the people had broken the first two commandments. And I've, I've taught you some of this before right from this text in years gone by. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. He had broken the first two commandments. You have no other gods before me. You make no graven image. They, they, they were clearly breaking those. And Paul knew that hell is real. He knew that hell is real. I said he knew that hell is real. Now, what you're about to hear might freak you right out. And honestly, it's not preached. And, and perhaps I've not done a good enough job preaching to you, for which I repent, but I'm going to fix that right now. Something happened to me when we, we toured the building yesterday, the Haggerty's will be preaching tonight along with uh, Chaplain Rick and Pia Beckers and, and uh, the Chewies, the Chewies here. All right, good along with the Chewies heading off to England and Amsterdam, heading off to Indonesia, heading off to Tucson to plant Tucson North. And so they hadn't seen the new building. So we took time and walked through and took a look at everything. And the moment Minister Jan walked into the sanctuary, she, and this is what I remember, you lifted your hands and you said, oh, oh, the people. The families that don't, won't go to hell because we built this. And the power of God hit me. And I began to weep with you. And I thought, oh my God, that's right. It's why we're doing what we do. That's why we have as many services as we have and we'll add more. That's why we've built the building. That, that's why we're, we're, we're going to visit every home in the state. That's, that's why we do what we do. Because this is not just some you know, little religious thing. Wee, we just sang some songs and just love Jesus. No, there's a hell. Hey, you can go to hell if you want to. I said, you can go to hell if you want to. Come on, some of you thought I was cursing at you. I'm not, I'm trying to wake you up. And Paul, the apostle Paul, he believed in that. And you know what, not just the apostle Paul, Jesus believed in hell and actually talked more about hell than he did about heaven. He said, are you one of those hellfire churches, especially today? Yes. See, if you don't have a real revelation of hell, then you won't have a real revelation of what you've been saved from. And then you'll have a very weak, if you will, salvation. Your salvation can be muted or distorted if you don't really understand. Just lock the doors. All right, you ready? Come on, let's look at this. Right in your notes, you can go share this with somebody else. Jesus believed hell is real. Jesus used the word Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, or Hades, Hades. Sheol is used 65 times in the Old Testament, 31 times it's translated hell. It has many meanings. It's a state of death, the grave, and a place of punishment. Deuteronomy 32, 22a For a fire will be kindled by my wrath, one that burns down to the realm of the dead below. Jesus used the word Sheol or Hades when he condemned the city of Capernaum. And Matthew, 
Put it on the screen if you can. Verse 11, 23. And you, Capernaum, you'll be lifted up to the heavens? Question mark? No. No. You'll go down to Hades. And he tells them why. For if the miracles performed in you had been performed in, in Sidon, in Sodom, pardon me, it would have remained to this day. He rebukes them because of their unbelief. And there's a judgment coming on that town, on that city. In Luke 16, 23. Are you all right? Jesus tells the parable of the rich man and Lazarus the beggar. Verse 22, I'll take it from. The time came when the beggar died. And angels carried him to Abraham's side, or it's also called Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip to the tip of his finger in water to cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. And the result of that, if you can keep reading, uh, no deal. Apparently, the, apparently they could see or something. It's, it's a powerful parable, an illustration of hell and heaven. And we just don't think about it all that often. Jesus preached on hell. God bless you. The afterlife is divided into two parts. Paradise in the parable of the bosom of Abraham and the place of torment, which Jesus calls hell. Now, without getting into the full understanding of that from orthodox, orthodoxy believes in a, um, uh, what's it called? Purgatory. There's no purgatory in scripture. So if you think you can like die and then work it off, that's something that someone made up. It's not in scripture. Jesus never talked about that. Man is given but one life to live and after that, the judgment. And so paradise or heaven and a place called hell. Throughout the gospels, Jesus used a second word called Gehenna and that's a place or a word that means hell. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, he mentions Gehenna. Let me read a few of these scriptures while we get more uncomfortable this morning. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, I say anyone who says to his brother, is Matthew 5, 22, or his sister Raka is answerable to the court. Anyone who says you fool be in danger of the fire of hell. Matthew 5 and verse 29, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole of your body to be thrown into, I'm sorry, what? Thrown into what? Thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for you to throw, for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, he's not saying that we should be the one-handed church. He's not saying, yes, well, my, my hand offended me, so, you know, we just better lop that off because otherwise we'd all be walking around with one eye and one hand. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is there really is a place called hell and you had aggressively deal with the things in your life that might take you there. Right. Come on, Pastor. Oh, Mark 9, as we go even deeper, Verse 43, again, if your right hand causes you to stumble, same, same verses. Look at verse 47. If your right eye causes you to stumble, it's Mark 9, 47. If your right eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to, to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes of me thrown into hell. Verse 48, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Matthew 7 and, and 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew 7 and verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus, Jesus, oh, I love you, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. The, the emphasis is mine on that. But the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did we not drive out demons in your name? 
and in your name perform miracles. Then I will, re- will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I mean, this is intense. Because what would motivate the Apostle Paul to do what he did after he'd been beaten and jailed and, and riots? What would motivate him to do that? I'm going to tell you what. It's the reality of a place called heaven and the reality of a place called hell and the reality that he will stand before a living God. Are you all there in 2 Corinthians? Verse 11, 2 Corinthians 5, 11. Are you all there? Since then, we know the fear of the Lord or the terror. Another version says the terror of the Lord. We try to persuade others. You see, you'll never share your faith unless you understand what I'm telling you is true. Not, not, like, you, not like you could. The, the, the urgency wouldn't be there. Well, well, I'll just witness to them later. Really, is there a later for them? Who knows? I hope so. There is an urgency in this hour. Last week, we talked about prophet Jim LaFoon and how he had a vision of Jesus walking across America and he was praying to the Father saying, one more time, one more time, Father, one more time. And the Lord spoke from heaven and said, one more time, one more time. The rain, the few, the beginning drops of rain of revival have started. What is revival? It's when a people turn from sin and turn towards God. There's not a, a, a casual demeanor and behavior about it. There's an urgency. When Jesus said in Luke chapter nine and Luke chapter 10, don't take a bag, don't take your wallet, don't take your purse, don't get a change of clothes. Just get out there and don't talk to anybody and tell them about the kingdom of God. Why would he say that? There's this sense that like, hurry up. Don't talk to anybody. Get going. There's this sense of urgency. How much more is there a sense of urgency now? You know, I think back years ago, it's wonderful to have my brother Chris on the front row. And you might remember all those years ago in South Hold, Long Island, where our missionary Kenneth McCall, who was a missionary to China during World War II, and he was a family was part of the Inland China Mission. Some of you might have heard of that. And you know what a major man of God that guy was? Major. But you know what was astounding to me was he never told us about Jesus. He never told us. Oh, he told us about Jesus. He told us about visit. You remember that? told us about visitations that he had. He was headed towards a tank trap with his whole family. And a man in white appeared and said, don't, don't go this way. Go that way. And he, he went off and he went that way and he was rescued. He ended up in a jail in China and had a few of his children in China. He was, he was in jail for three, four years. He was a medical missionary. But when he shared these stories, I'll never forget it. I was riveted. I'm like, man, Jesus appeared to him. I, I don't know. I was like five years old. I was riveted by these stories. But you know what he never said? He never said in every one of you, have you received Jesus? He never asked us. He just assumed that we had, that we were Christians. And I'm going to tell you something. If I had been born again at that age, my life would have been very different. And oh, I'm very grateful that God rescued me and snatched me like a stick out of the fire. I'm so glad that I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven and I'm going to take as many people with me as I can. And the goal of this morning is to fire you up full of zeal to understand that there really is a place. You can go to hell. Come on, bump your neighbor and say it nice. You can go to hell, you know. Just add you know on the end. That way, it, amen. Come on, come on, look at your other neighbor and say, you can go to hell, you know. The doors are locked, so don't even try to leave. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. You can leave if you want to. But there is a place called hell. Paul knew in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, go there, please. Go to verse 10. He knew that he would give an account for what he did. So will I, and so will you. And the account that you give before God, you're gonna stand before a court that's much higher than the court of public opinion or what your neighbor thinks. And people don't, man, they're just religious fanatic. Yeah, absolutely. You can, absolutely, I'm, I'm a fanatic. 
I'm a Jesus freak through and through. And the truth is, I desire and will go deeper and become more undignified yet before the Lord. God has saved me, rescued me. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to let up. I'm not going to give in to smooth knees and apathy. It's about souls because hell lies in the balance and heaven. Where are you going? Let's have a praise break. Ah, Good to be in church. (laughs) Not mincing any words today. No ear tickling this morning. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Wow. I mean, if anybody needed a vacation, it's the Apostle Paul. But here he is sharing the good news of Jesus. Why? Because of the things I shared with you and now because he knew he would give an account. It was God's love compelling him to do something. If you're not moved by the brokenness of people, then you might need to rekindle your walk with Jesus. If you're not moved by those that are in trouble, those that are hurting and broken and lost, the addicted, the afflicted, if you're not moved, if it doesn't move you and you can just walk past or look the other way or ignore it. You know, it's hard for me to go to the state fair many times. And I found myself quenching the spirit a little bit and you can judge me, but you do it all the time. So just try not to look too long and people that are, that are broken, I just wanted to have like a little time with my family and my staff and and, and I did, and honestly, I can't remember if I witnessed it all. It's hard sometimes to be out in a crowd. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Be out in a crowd and you see how broken the people of Alaska are. Do you see, you go to, if, you're, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then just, you know, take your nine mil, put it on the side and go to Walmart at 12 o'clock. I'm partially kidding. I know half of you are packing right now. <laughs> You, you, you want to see the brokenness of Alaska, just in this region, just in this area, go to, go to Walmart around midnight and just go walk up and down the aisles and see people fiending and flinching and, and freaking out, maybe trying to steal stuff. And if it doesn't move you, then you might need to check your heart or just go to Bethel. I've, I've been to Bethel. Go to any village. You know, when I was in Bethel, I was there when I first went. All of the stores have all, anything that has alcohol or anything that you can huff, anything that you can sniff or smell, anything that you could get high from is behind plexiglass. And you can't get, you could just, come on, you could just go and get whipped cream right now. You can't get whipped cream over there. You know why? Because people just huff that thing. And I don't even want to teach you how to do that. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? We live in a broken culture and it's not money that's going to change it. And it's not government. Government, government, you took a look at First Timothy. Government is so that we can have a peaceful life. The problem with America is the church has gone asleep and forgotten that there's a place called hell and a place called heaven. We need to rise. Am I yelling? We need to rise. And we are. I'm, I'm here to tell you it's happening. That's why there's hundreds and hundreds of people that are here this morning and in the next service and tonight but there's thousands and thousands of people that don't know Jesus that live right next to you. They're the house next door. Maybe say, well, no, no, not the house next door. I know they're okay. I'm not talking about the Christians next door. How about the other ones? Who's going to reach them? The love of God, God's love compelled Paul to do something. Verse 17, so he reasoned in a synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks in the marketplace with those who happen to be there. You know what that is? It's divine appointments. Those who happen to be there. I found that anytime I go out to do something for the Lord, to share the good news of Jesus, like purposely, I'm not going to the store and then I'm going to meet somebody. Literally, I'm going out to, to, to witness and share my faith. When I do that, God brings supernaturally people across my paths so that I could share the good news of Jesus with them. He reasoned with them in the synagogue in the marketplace. He argued and spoke with people. Wow. He shared the gospel daily. He raised up disciples. That's what we're doing. That's what I'm doing now, but we have a thing called the the Discover Track. If you've not been through that, would you please? 
Would you please go through? It started almost half an hour ago. It's every Sunday morning at 945. Would you please go through? Well, I've been here for years, Pastor. Do I need to go through Discover Track? Yes, you should go through. We've changed everything. He said, well, I, I've been through all that stuff. It was years ago. All right, but it's all new. There's a whole new method we have for releasing and raising up people so you walk in your purpose. If you don't learn to walk in your purpose, you will be purposeless. And if you have no purpose in your life, you'll have a tendency to drop out of life and you might end up getting a cold heart. Listen, some of you are online right now. You need to knock it off because you could get in your car and you could drive here. Now stop it. And let me say, I don't know why I haven't said this over this since covid I don't know why. I just keep forgetting, but I just remembered, so I'm going to say it. We have, we have these machines. I just want to say, we have these machines in every corner of uh, every room. Of course, this one's off while I bring attention to it. Hank, fix that thing, will you? Would you do it now? Praise God. <laughs> and they're turned off and turned on. They, they kill all viruses. They're designed to do that. They're amazing little devices. But you know something? John G. Lake planted 500 plus churches in five years in the middle of the bubonic plague in Africa. And they, they, they took some of that foam from a dead person's mouth and they put it on his hand. And that, well, they looked at it first, it was alive. They put it on his hand and then it was dead. And he said, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I cannot, I will not give in to fear of a virus. I can't, I won't, I won't do it. I, my, my, listen. If I die and go to heaven, well, glory to God. But I'm not going to shrink and yield to fear. I can't do it. I won't do it. I will not do it. And we haven't. But we'll take precautions and do different things like that. So if you're at home because you're afraid, I've known people that stayed home and died. See, if you have COVID, get healed and come back. Hello. If you have measles, mumps, rubella, you have, you have the flu, get healed. We'll pray for you. Amen. Then get your, get back in church for God's sake. Because church is not on, I'm talking to you. Yes. Are you convicted? Don't turn me off. See, that's the problem. You can turn me off right now. The definition of church, it does not include online. You, you have to have fellowship. You can't have it online like that. That's the, you're, you're missing a crucial definition of church. Did I get myself in trouble, Pastor Karen? Are we all right? Let's have a praise break and get back in the message. Come on. He raised up disciples. You, you be in that discover track. God wants to do something in this state. God wants to do something in this house. God wants to do something in this nation one more time. He said, well, there's so many others. Well, that, that, that doesn't mean you won't stand before the Lord. Use your gifts. Use your talents. Plug in. Get in that Discover track. Find a place to serve. Would you do it? We're going to raise up disciples, and we are. And we have more than we've ever had before, but my gosh, the, the harvest is plentiful. And the laborers are few. And we're moving into a new barn. And we're going to fill it. We'll fill it right away, honestly. But there's room to grow now. Just a few weeks ahead, maybe a couple few. It's very close. I'll give you a date very soon. I actually have the date. Just want to couple things I want to be sure of, and then I'll be telling you when we're moving in, in our grand opening. We're, we're there. What must we do? What must we do? Well, the first thing is build a bridge with people. Build a bridge. You'll find out in the lobby, if you look, there's a map out there. We have that out there. And um, on the map, you'll see uh, a system we have, and you can see our team that's there. You could even find your neighborhood and you can visit your neighborhood. Come on, some of you used to knock on doors to make money for Girl Scouts. Hello. Yeah, those amazing, you know, Luciferian delights. Just think about what motivates you. Think about what motivated you. Well, I needed to raise money so I could go to the Washington DC. Okay, but we're talking, I'm trying to motivate you to say there really is a place. Sheol, Gehenna, hell, there's a place. Can you do what you did for the 
cream cheese folders or whatever those stupid cookies are, the little mint wafer things to make a couple bucks to go to DC. Can you do that for the kingdom, maybe? Is it possible? You're leaning on me. You better believe I'm leaning on you. I'm pushing you because you'll stand before the Lord in the end. And so will I for how I've encouraged you. Listen, it's not my job to visit all the houses. I'm I'm visiting. I'm in it. I'm going to do it. I'll never ask you to do something that I don't do. All of my staff is doing it. All of our leaders are doing it. Come on, say amen. Amen. And I'm encouraging you to do it. Well, I don't know what to do. We'll teach you. Don't worry. It's easy. We're going to build a bridge. We're using material from every home for Christ. And I'm going to tell you, we will visit every single home in Alaska. I want you to say it. We will visit every single home. How long is that going to take? I do not know, but we'll do our best. You say, what about the people that has beware of dog and no soliciting? You can just keep moving. You can reach your hands towards them. I don't want anybody getting bit. Then again, some of you might be a little bit more bolder than others and go right ahead. We're not selling anything. We're telling you about heaven and hell and we're just handing a material and praying for him. You think you could pray this kind of a blessing? Lord, bless this home. Bless this family. Encourage them, strengthen them, reveal yourself to them in a greater way. Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for your time. Leave them to something, turn around and walk. Do you think you could maybe do that? I think we could maybe do that. I think we could do that. Come on, raise your hand if you think maybe you could do that. Raise your hand just to encourage me. Okay. There is great power in praying. Moving on, great power praying specifically for individuals. There is great power in praying for individuals. I was working out recently and I had a word for the person that was at the front desk and I took them by the hand and you might even be here today. I took them by the hand. I said, I was praying for you and God showed me your face. And he showed me a specific way to pray for you. And I, I, I shared the simple word, not in, not in a, not like a religious nut job. Oh, come on. Just be supernaturally natural. You freak people out doing that kind of stuff. Do that in your prayer closet. Let all the O's and the hoes out in the, in the prayer closet. Amen. Me screaming at Fred Myers. Yay! Yay! I feel the Holy Spirit. Everybody's like, you're a freak. I mean, be all things to all men. Worship team, come on. When you share the gospel, when you share the good news, when you reach to somebody, it breaks down and binds Satan. Be prepared to share. Learn the gospel. Listen, those of you who want to take it a little level deeper, learn to share the Romans road. Learn to share how to get saved. He said, well, I don't know how. Just play it. I preach every five times a week or something, which I love doing. I hope it's 10. At the end of nearly every service I preach, I give an opportunity to get right with God. All you have to do, can you teach me? Yes, I've been teaching you for 16 years. Go online. Go, go to the end of the YouTube broadcast. Thank you. That brings comfort to us right now. Go to the end of the podcast and listen to the, that altar. Oh, I did it in the beginning. I shared the good news. Memorize it. Go look up Billy Graham altar call. Go memorize that and make it your own. And, and listen, you can't fake it. You have to, people can see right through some religious nonsense. I've had people witness to me before I was born again. And they, they're like, um, hi, God loves you and you're going to hell. I'm like, what? Yeah, you're going to hell. I'm like, I know, so? Oh, you're going to hell, you need, you need to repent. First of all, they didn't even mean it. They were doing it to get a check so that they could feel better about the, their controlling church maybe that they went to, to hold a sandwich board outside. And as long as Christ is preached, I understand that. But be moved from your heart like our sister Jan. Oh, so many families won't go to hell now. It was so real to her and real to me. I'm trying to make it real to you. This is not some casual thing we do. You say, Pastor, this is just too intense church for me. I understand. Kind of. There's other churches that you might not hear what I'm preaching to you and, and God bless them too. 
You serve God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. It is my job to challenge you and push you and encourage you and strengthen you, to teach you and to equip you for the work of ministry. And I have faces that come before me in the middle of the night with people that don't know Christ or so many that were here. Where are the people? Where was all the thousands of people that received Jesus years ago? Here, where are they? They're not here. You're here, thank God. And some are returning. Where are the others? They didn't get discipled, the devil robbed them. We have a whole department to reach out to them. We have a whole department. It's called the Connect Department. They, they visit, they'll follow up. Take advantage, lastly, of special opportunities. Can you sing something like happy or whatever? Didn't we have like some happy song? Where, where's that? Where's our set list? <laughs> there was like a really fun one. They, it was great worship. How many of you appreciate these guys? <laughs> Come on, put your hands together for them. Take advantage of special opportunities to share the good news. We're doing the birthday of the king. We have a cast, I think, of over 80 people in it. That's not, that's not technical workers. That's not set builders. That's a cast of over 80 people on a stage. It's about 90 feet across. It'll be a, one of the most amazing things I think that's ever hit the valley. I said, it's, I think it's gonna be one of the most amazing things that ever hit the valley. We're, we're gonna extend it, do a little bit longer. It is going to be powerful. Why would we do that? Why would we do egg hunts? Why would we do pumpkin patch? Now pumpkin patch, we're doing something a little different because we're just not ready to move into the facility yet. So we'll do something for the families of the church, but we're gonna limit that because if we advertise anything, we'll be overrun and it won't be fun. <laughs> why would we do that? Because that's why we're here. That's why every church is, should be around is to, why are we sending people to Indonesia? Wouldn't it be better if they just stayed? Well, on one hand, on one hand it would because we get to just be happy together, worship God and pray and see your shining faces and eat your food, amen. On the other hand, how will Indonesia know unless someone goes and they have a burden and a call? Wouldn't it be better if you just stuck around, drove your cool truck or your Jeep or whatever you drive? And... Would it be great? Oh no, sell their house, sell their car, liquidate everything, reduce it down to a bag and a few books and go off to England, why? Because England is backslidden. England used to send out more missionaries and it will again. I love that. It will again. Why would we go to North Tucson? Because they need a church like ours. There's a lot of churches that aren't gonna preach what I'm preaching. There is heaven, there is hell. Take special opportunities to share. Won't you do it? Won't you? Would you just say yes? I'm concluded now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Whatever, I don't know. If you're not right with God, don't you turn off this broadcast. If you didn't hear one thing, the entire service, hear me now. God loves you has an amazing plan for your life. He knits you together when you're in your mother's womb and he knows you. He, he knows you're rising up. He knows you're setting down. He knows your frame. If you didn't hear anything I said, please just listen to the next 60 seconds of what I say. God's plan for you is to walk in, in his will and, and, and in his way. And in the end, when your life is done, that you would go to heaven, that you, you wouldn't go to hell. He wants to walk with you and talk with you what took place in the garden where God walked with man in the cool of the day, but it was forfeited because of their sin. The curse came upon mankind that exists even today. And that curse is reversed by what the Bible says is the last Adam, the second Adam. I don't like saying second Adam because that means like, is there a third? No, it's, there's, there's one who came, Emmanuel. God with us, 700 scriptures in the Old Testament talking about this one Jesus, born of a virgin over and over and over and over and over and over. God reaches through the whole sacrificial system, a type and a shadow, a picture book of what would come in the end, one final sacrifice, death and blood. For without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So Jesus came to shed his blood, his sinless blood 
You know, it's an interesting fact about blood, and I'm not sure how to say this medically, but do you know the blood of, of every human being is, is transferred from the Father? So a virgin, Mary, he didn't get her blood. He got the blood of the Father. It's kind of interesting. There's no sin in his blood. And when you receive him, I say that right, Minister Jan? Sort of. Amen. Go look it up. Receive Jesus. Receive, repent of your sin. What is repent? Re, again, pent, think. Think differently. Stop living the way that you're living if you're living apart from God and make a decision to receive him. He said, is it that easy? It really is that easy. That's a start. That's a start. That's all you need to make it to heaven. But then he leaves you here to be discipled, to grow, to be sanctified, to become more like him, to live the life of blessing and power. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If I haven't said that, I say it again. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, want to recommit your life to him, number two. Or number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place, those online. You say, that's me, Pastor. On the count of three, slip your hand up if you're serious about it. You want to get right with God. First time, recommitment. You just want to be sure. On the count of three, won't you do it? One, two, three. Do it right now. Lift your hands. God bless you. Lift your hand high. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. I see the hands in the back. Thank you. Would you stand up on your feet all across this place and pray with me? There'll be others praying with you. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me and make me new and raise me up just as you rose Jesus from the dead raise my life up now. Take out the heart of stone, put in the heart of flesh and use me, use me to fulfill your purpose in the earth. Use me to reach the lost, say that. Use me to reach the lost. Say, if you mean it, say it again. Use me to reach the lost. Give me a boldness and a hunger for the things of God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you and we'll be concluded this morning. Father, thank you. Now bless your people. Fill them full of your spirit. Overwhelm them with your goodness and your kindness. And I pray, Holy Spirit, take a burden from heaven. The burden that the Apostle Paul had. Give us your burden for the lost implanted into hearts now all across this place. Release a gift of evangelism and a burden for the lost. Do it, God. Wake us up in the night. We give you permission. Do whatever you want to do. Lord, thank you for the great harvest. We're ready. We're prepared. And we will go. Every home for Jesus. Visited in Alaska. Oh, God, even in the nations. Lord, we thank you. Now bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together for God. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.